Maybe see. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know how many of you are into your gardens yet this year, but gardening has a way of teaching you about love. Love for gardening does not come right away. You might think you love gardening, but until you've actually got into gardening, you don't really know what it is to love your garden. Before love actually comes, first comes patience. First comes attentiveness. In my experience, one of the first steps to growing a garden and growing this love is patience and attentiveness. In the spring, I find myself getting excited. We get excited as things warm up and we get outside ready to tackle some project. But with a garden, that excitement can wear off after a couple months set in. The time needed for watering and weeding and waiting. A garden doesn't take care of itself and it requires ongoing patience and attention. I've heard it said, and advise that you should water your plants by hand rather than an automatic hose. Watering your plants by hand forces you to spend a little bit of time with each plant. On the other hand, if a person thinks that they can just plant the garden in the spring and let it go, and their work is done and they just pop in a few minutes here and there each week, we know the results will be bad. Without patience, without attentiveness, we can't grow into love. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. The meaning here is that the Father is the great gardener, the one who is tending to the world as a master farmer. He is giving his patience, he's giving his attention, he's giving his love for his vineyard, specifically here, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. The work of a spiritual garden is filled with challenges. There are thorns and thistles and sin. God sent his son into the world to struggle in a fallen world, to labor with Adam by the sweat of his brow, to experience the pain and challenges and setbacks of a world with sin. But through it all, God is able to bring forth a great and bountiful harvest. And that harvest is showing itself in the fruits of love. This will only happen if we keep ourselves rooted and grounded in Jesus' love. So he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The love that Jesus is talking about does not mean the absence of difficulty. In fact, it is the difficulty that proves what real love is. A Christian might sometimes wonder, 
Here I am showing and acting in love, and yet all I seem to be getting in return is aggravation or heartache. Why, if I'm showing love, does the situation seem to be getting more difficult? But this is just the point of what Jesus is saying. The Father prunes those branches that are bearing fruit. That means he never stops working to refine us. He never stops cutting back the unhealthy growth in us so it can promote something better and more robust, life. However, for those branches that are not bearing fruit, that are not showing love, that have no love abiding in them, well, they are cut off. Those branches do not understand patience. They don't understand how to pay attention to Jesus and the vine. They're cut off because they're dying, because they're producing no fruit. If a husband should think that love is merely the feeling he had when he married his wife, then the relationship will soon be overrun with weeds. The initial excitement of spring will wear off, and pretty soon the hard work will set in. If the love is not cultivated with patience first and attention to that other person every day, it will begin to get infested with bitterness and overgrown with worldly cares. True love needs a regular daily attention and watering. Without that long-term love, relationships wither and die. And the same is true for our relationship with Jesus. It requires our ongoing patience and waiting, our ongoing attention to him. Abide in him, and he will abide in you. The only way we can maintain that sort of love that lasts is abiding in him, as he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Here Jesus shows what it means to, for him to remain with us and us to remain with him even after he's physically gone. Here's what it means to be his disciples. There are two times in the Gospel of John when Jesus uses the phrase, to be my disciples in this way. Earlier in chapter 8, he tells his people, those who are listening, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And later on, after washing his disciples' feet, he tells them again, Abide. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So two simple ways Jesus says the disciples are recognized is, number one, they abide in his word, and number two, they abide in his love. These are the two strands to discipleship. In his word, we first receive the nourishment we need to know the truth of his love, that he loves us even to death, that he dies for us and is risen again and forgives our sins. We discover what his heart is like, 
And that word sets us free from slavery to our own selfishness, our own anger or bitterness. By this, the world will know that we are his disciples. But it doesn't stop there. To be his disciples means continuing to abide in his love. Abiding in his word and abiding in his love. The truth and the spirit are the two integrated strands of discipleship that bring us life. We know that abiding in him means it's not just going to be a one-time thing. It's not just going to be when we like it or when it's convenient. Abiding means remaining, dwelling, making yourself at home with Jesus and the Father through the dwelling of the Spirit in you. This requires patience. The fruit of abiding in Jesus is not going to show itself immediately, but it will eventually. In the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus finally gets to the last seed. The seed that falls on good soil and talks about how it will bear fruit. That last seed is the one that has heard the word with an honest heart, keeps it, and bears fruit with patience. Notice how Jesus adds not only hearing the word, not only keeping it, but patience. The next sermon coming up in our series next Wednesday, which I'm not going to be here. I have somebody stepping in to read the sermon for me. Our next sermon is on hatred. And in contrast to all the love Jesus preaches here comes hatred. How the world will hate Jesus and his disciples. And in that contrast, you're going to find that abiding in Jesus is going to require a lot of patience to endure hatred to endure animosity, and to endure hurt. You have to take up residence with him. Make yourself at home with Jesus in everything he does and the way that he does it. Only the Spirit makes it possible for us to dwell with Jesus, even though we're here on earth and he's in heaven. But the Spirit brings us together so that we can be at home with him and his friendship can be cultivated in our lives. His friendship becomes more and more appealing the more time we spend with Jesus so that it becomes more attractive than the earthly escapes from trouble and pain. You can hear what he's saying. You can experience his strength. He fills you up like you're drinking from the wells of salvation, and that becomes a joy in you. It might be small at first, but it keeps increasing the more time you spend with Jesus. It means you aren't alone. In fact, Jesus wants his disciples to know that even though he's going away, they're never going to be alone. Not just because they have the Spirit, not just because he is with them, but because they're with each other. We are all in this together. If we are abiding with Jesus then we're abiding in his home together. His love is flowing through us, and he calls you his friends. I tend to think that no one in this congregation should consider anyone else less than a friend. Friendships can be difficult. They can go through hurt 
and heartbreak. Friends can do each other wrong. But don't ever get up on the friendship which ties us all back together in Jesus. He has given us commandment. And he doesn't give us many commandments. Not like Moses, where it took several books of the Bible to outline all the commandments. In fact, I find it surprising that as Jesus says, keep my commandments, he's really only given a couple. He tells us to keep his word, and he tells us to love each other. He simply says, love one another. How that works itself out, how difficult that could be, the fruit of what that will look like, well, that's for the Spirit to decide, and that's for time to tell. Gardening has a way of teaching you how to love. And whether it's a church setting or a family setting or human friendships, love doesn't come naturally. Our love for God doesn't come naturally. In fact, it doesn't come at all unless he loves us first. That means that God has to love us first, and we have to wait for that love with patience. And we have to love each other with patience, with daily attention to his word and to the needs of the people around us. The seasons we live through will stretch into weeding, and drought, but that's where we need that love to endure, to attend to each other personally and water each plant by hand. In time, it will pay off. It will not return to us empty. It will not be fruitless. As we cultivate love among us, the fruits of faith will show. And remember this, Fruit is never meant to serve the one that's producing it. Amen.